feel aimless. You can't see the places where you belong, but you will find that there is a purpose. It's been there within you all along. Gone fishing, part two. Well, life went on. This was our new normal. I started to get bullied at school because of my name, Gabriel. And I wasn't going to take it, getting beat at home for nothing or almost every day and then getting bullied at school. No, no. I told my mom what was going on, and her response was, that's such a beautiful name. I don't care, Mom. I'm changing it to Robert. And she said, no, you aren't. And that's the first time I said, okay. And I did it anyways. I'll give you another incident. Sorry, folks. You know I'm sick. You're going to hear those little interludes. There was a pond next to the police station about a mile away. I asked my mom, can I go fishing, mom, please? Her reply was, You don't have a fishing pole, and we don't have one here. And I said, Mom, if you let me go fishing, already I was a salesman. (laughs) If you let me go fishing, I'll catch the biggest fish you ever saw, and I'll bring it home, and we'll have something good to eat tonight. Fish. Russ wasn't home. He was checking on one of the restaurants. He was a regional manager for six rest snack shops. They're called Greasy Spoons, some people call them. And so she made an executive decision. She could see I really wanted this bad. I would go there and just look at the fish and I see him down there, and they were so close. I just, so she said, okay, okay. She took a broomstick and unscrewed it at the bottom. Next, she found some twine, and she tied it and cut it first at a length of, say, five feet. I didn't need much. And she tied it on the screwed end of the pole so it wouldn't go anywhere. And she double-knotted it. Yay! Then she went into her sewing kit. Everyone back then, all the women had a sewing kit. Not that they used it, but they had to have one because they were a woman. This was the early 60s, folks. And anyways, that's another story. She grabbed a large safety pin and tied it to the twine. She then 
went into the kitchen and grabbed two pieces of the white bread. Everything was white. Nothing was healthy back then. It was all white bread. And now you have bait too, she said to me. She showed me how to roll the uh, bread into small balls and gave me the pieces of bread. She then said, go catch us some fish, son. Oh, Mom, I love you. I love you so much. Thank you. And I grabbed her and I squeezed. Remember, I fit right under her breast. I'll catch the biggest fish in the world. I said, remember, second grade. Yeah, second grade. Off I went. Anyone who saw me must have laughed, thinking, wow, how cute. You know, this little boy is determined to catch a fish. I must have been there three hours trying to catch a fish. (laughs) My bait kept disintegrating, though, and I couldn't understand why. It was getting smaller and smaller. Each time I would put it in the water, these little thieves, anyways... What was happening was no matter how tight I squeezed that bread on that safety pin, they were just eating it off, picking it off. No fish would be stupid enough to bite the sharp end of it. <laughs> oh boy. Anyways, um, it was a big safety pin. What she should have done was given me a smaller safety pin. I might have had some luck. You know, that's why they make barbed hooks, I think. So once they bite that hook, you know you don't have to worry. You've got them. Just so you know, I do now. <laughs> yeah, boy. Anyways, you see, there were little fish in this pond called bluegills. And they were, like I said, little thieves. But to me, they seemed like sharks. I was just, I had just started second grade. Remember? I was getting tired after three hours, so I decided to wrap it up. I wrapped the twine around the pole, and then I hid it in some bushes. My thought was, to find a real hook and better bait, and I'll be back. While I was walking home, I was thinking, I'm going to figure this out. To get back home again, I had to walk alongside two busy streets like an L. Walk to the corner where there was a light, then walk down that street like an L. Halfway through, 
then I would cross the busy street where my street was and then a block in. I hope that made sense. And then I'd make a right and then six houses down, I was home. Not bad. Just had to make it across that busy street one time. I probably should have crossed at the light, but it was more fun this way. You look left, and back then there weren't many cars. Now if I go to that same street, and I have, just to reminisce melancholy, it's so busy you would never try that now. Anyways, digressing. Back then, people watched out for people, especially kids in the second grade. Starting out in the second grade, while I was on my way home, I had made it probably a half a block. When I looked across the street, you know, kids, just looking everywhere, I noticed there was some kind of factory there, and I saw movement, and of course I was curious. Some man was throwing out some garbage, and it looked good from here. And so I guess that's when I started garbage picking. I don't know. (laughs) Anyways, being curious, I had to investigate, so I crossed the busy street there, and went to the factory on the side where the garbage can was. And it was a magic marker factory. I love that smell. I thought, what a cool smell. It was the ink inside those markers that they were putting that ink in. Yeah, I love that smell. The man threw out a case of markers for whatever reason. I wasn't going to go ask them. All I knew was they were in the garbage. So now I know that if they don't meet a certain criteria, I know this now. They're tossed out by the quality control, you know, and all that, I I thought I may not have caught a fish, but I did catch a case of magic markers. I thought everyone would be so proud of me. We'll be marking everything. <laughs> oh boy, you know, second grade. You aren't thinking all youth smells good and they're free. And I cross back to my side of the street with the case of markers. I needed to be on and I walk back to the house with the case of magic markers. I got in the house and... Russ was home by then. 
he insisted we call him Dad. As soon as I walked through the door and saw him, I was terrified. And I said, look what I got. Like, you know, he'd be proud of me. He said, young man, you get over here right now. And he took me by the scruff of the neck. And I dropped the case of markers. Please, Dad, please let me explain. This was an excuse for a beating, I guess. I slipped out of my shirt and ran away into the front room as fast as I could. He just walked calmly after me. While standing in the hallway entrance next to his door, his bedroom door, he was blocking my escape. He said in a quiet voice, If you tell me the truth where you've got those, I'll believe you, and you won't get a beating today. But if you lie, I will beat you for lying to me. I told him the whole story from the beginning to the end, and I was talking so fast and I didn't leave out any detail, so he knew I was telling the truth. He didn't believe me. He took off his belt. Lickety split. I mean, that's the fastest he ever took that thing off. And he tried to grab me and swing at me with his belt, but I was too fast. I was running on top the couch. I would, and when he would lunge for me, I would jump to another piece of the furniture. Remember, everything was too close. They just wanted to jam it in there. Okay, all the time screaming, you said you wouldn't beat me if I told you the truth. Well, he finally caught me in midair and brought me into his bedroom and slammed the door of his bedroom. He beat the living shit out of me. This was my first blood beating. Yep, second grade, beginning of second grade. He said, now we're going to take those back you little thief, and you're going to apologize to the owner for taking them. What could I say? Yes, sir. I said, he also insisted that we call our, our elders yes, sir, and no, sir, and to this day, I'll call everyone yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, and it drives people crazy but when it's beaten into you what are you gonna do we drove to the marker factory i pointed to the side entrance and he parked it was a hot day i remember that and he parked and we went into the side entrance where i grabbed the um, markers out of the garbage, and I pointed at the garbage, and he shut up. 
Russ was, like I said, 240 pounds and probably 6'2", and, you know, big man. And I just went into second grade. He found the maintenance man and had me there with the case right next to him. I was holding the case. The man must have seen that my face was all red and the man could see I was hurting and tears that were dried on my cheeks running down my dirty face. Russ said, we have a thief here. He stole the case of markers and he wants to return them to you and apologize. The man says, where did you get the Marker's son. I sniffled a couple times and I said, right there in the garbage. The man said, so you beat the hell out of this kid because he took something out of the garbage? Russ said, I didn't know it was in the garbage. And the man said, didn't you ask your son? Then he said, you can have those young men. They were in the garbage. No, he can't, said Russ. Go throw those back in the garbage where you got them, Robert. Now. And all the way home, it was quiet. 